0: Thank you for listening to The Woke Agent. I am your host, Tiffany Jarvis. I'm a local real estate agent in Lexington, Kentucky, and this is the podcast where I talk to my friends in the real estate business about how they run their business, their opinions, their outlooks on the industry ahead, and just generally how they stay woke. We do deals with these people all the time, and we don't know anything about them. I am here to change that today. I'm really excited. I've got a... I've got a pretty big guest here today. It's Josh Shepler from, oh my gosh, from Keller Williams, Greater Lexington is where he hangs his license, but he is the owner and just general like everything at at Kentucky Life Property Management. I know y'all seen them. They're everywhere.
1: Jack of all trades, master of none, I guess. Master of it all. (laughs) I am so excited to be here. Like, this well, is you a, look phenomenal. amazing well, as always. So do, you. Like, do we have a crush going on? I
0: dressed up for you today. Well,
1: I dressed up for you. Like, like <laughs> I have a lion on. Okay, he does. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look amazing no. in your blue.
0: We're not drinking margaritas. I'm sorry. Um, I was last night. I was yesterday on this podcast. So I should have brought. I should have brought some booze for you. I'm sorry. I know.
1: So we have no excuse for foul language. Is that what you're
0: saying? Um, fuck it. We okay. we say whatever we want <laughs> on this show because. You know it's my podcast, and I can do whatever I want.
1: Let's do it. Let's be woke.
0: So, welcome to my woke ridge. Um, I want to know what you did before you got into real estate.
1: Are you sure? Like that's that's a journey. But
0: let's let's go down that road as far as you want to. Just go. I'll I'll act as a therapist if you.
1: <laughs> okay, let's cry it out. So <laughs> I started when I first was licensed. That was way back in two thousand and six.
0: You got your license in 06?
1: I did. I'm old in the business. Um, uh-huh. 2006, and then but I But yet went. you
0: never age.
1: Well... I mean, according to who (laughs) Uh, Botox helps. Let's just say that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, So I was licensed in 2006 and then I went straight to Rector Hayden because literally that's all that I knew that I wanted to be. A lot
0: of people tell me this, that they thought that that was the, you know, you had to go there.
1: That was the go to. Yes. I drove past uh, there all the time and I'm like, I have to be there. So I went to Rector Hayden for about six months and then was recruited uh, by Ed Maggard to Maggard Property Management. And at the time, it was probably the biggest property management company. Um, his son at the time was exiting the company. So then I took over the development and the leasing and just pretty much the daily operations of that company. Okay. So I stayed there for about uh, six or seven years, um, ended about, I think, in 2013 And went over to Remax Creative uh, with Christy Gooch. uh, Christy,
0: was it creative? I
1: mean, I'm sorry, Elite. Remax Elite, Elite. that's right. Uh, Remax (laughs) Elite, yes. Um, I was
0: like, I had no idea.
1: (laughs) She approached me about six months before I left Maggard to come over and start a property management division for her company elite property so management.
0: epm was you
1: that was me yes
0: i didn't know that i had no idea because i worked over there too for a long time i i didn't know that
1: yep that was us um so uh, you know it did a lot of things for me especially going there it gave me a lot of confidence um over especially a six-month period that you know Hey, I can I can do this. If I can do it for someone else, I can do it for myself.
0: Well, you had a big brand behind you too with with the Remax brand. I guess maybe I don't know if that helped, but Absolutely. EPM is, you know, yeah. I mean. So
1: uh, developed the systems, got that off the ground, and then at the time partnered with another agent there to develop a team, um, and a then team
0: to do property management, to do
1: real estate.
0: So oh, okay. We, um,
1: I sold in my off hours and did property management. Just when you could, <laughs> you oh, know, basically God. nine to five. Um, so we developed a team, um, there, um, and that model, that brokerage model didn't really support a team structure at the time. At the time, teams weren't really a thing here in Lexington yet. They were what really, year was this? That was 2013.
0: Okay. So that was before my time here. They were yeah. just
1: starting. And as we started a team, uh, it's kind of a foreign idea and people are like, why, you know, like, why do you want to be on a team? Uh, so we stayed there about um, probably eight months. At the before we left, Donna Williams, um, who went to Rector Hayden, I believe as the as the manager of Rector Hayden, um, knew that we wanted to eventually go out on our own and start our own company. So she said, "Hey, I really want you guys to come over to Rector Hayden. I want to teach you some things." Um, we you know we admired her. We loved Donna, uh, highly respected. So we made that move to Rector Hayden. I think in the end of 2013.
0: So you went back to Rector Hayden. Went
1: home, yes. Um, Loved it, loved everybody there, met some amazing people. Uh, We stayed about a year at Rector Hayden. Um, Again, we were one of the first teams at Rector Hayden, so when we came in, we came in as a team and letting them know that, hey, we're going to be recruiting and we're going to be building our team out. So let's sit down and develop a structure because they didn't know how to pay agents on teams.
0: You guys were looking, though, for bigger.
1: You were looking
0: for something like bigger than that, even. Right.
1: Right. That was we had a bigger vision. And, you know, Donna knew that we were very transparent about that. So we stayed there about a year. It was amazing. And then ultimately went off and created the Kentucky Life. So we branched out, and that's how the broke the Kentucky Life brokerage. Was so born.
0: Kentucky Life was under the umbrella of Rector Hayden. Then, or right. you went? When did you go to Keller Williams?
1: Yeah, the property management has always been under whatever brokerage I was at. So Remax, and then uh, the Kentucky Life was under Rector Hayden, and then mm-hmm. we formed the Kentucky Life, uh, and that was a, just a brokerage that was real estate and property management, um, and then from there. Um, I was um, recruited over to Keller Williams Greater Lexington. Okay. Um, I had honestly flirted with the idea for several years. Even at the Kentucky Life, we taught our agents out of the red book, the millionaire real estate agent. Yeah, um, Pretty much everything we taught was out of the red book. So, Well, and
0: you were running a team, and that is – I mean, Keller is the place to be for, for teams. and And I think for a lot of people that are kind of looking for – something maybe different or bigger than what they are. Um, I'm, so I'm not, I'm not surprised that you kind of landed somewhere like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, we dissolved our partnership, um, kept the Kentucky Life uh, real estate team, and that was transitioned into Keller Williams Greater Lexington and then formed the separate brokerage Kentucky Life property management. And that's where currently I'm an employee – And my license are hung at Keller Williams Greater Lexington.
0: So you're not, is it called a satellite office? Not really, not with you. Um,
1: Kentucky Life Property Management is a separate brokerage all by itself.
0: So a satellite office would be like Kevin Bradley in Georgetown. You are your own property management machine.
1: Correct. Just a separate brokerage like everywhere else.
0: But you're, so there are, and I talked to you about this briefly at your gorgeous, I mean, it's the prettiest office in town. You, I just, if, if anyone out there's listening, you haven't seen it. Like, come Jesus, on down. Oh my God. it's Gorgeous. <laughs> they we have
1: poured our heart and soul into it. So I appreciate that.
0: It's the most beautiful thing that you've if ever you looked love at. If
1: you and, black and, and white. And
0: old charm meets like, Brick, meets yeah. like a uh, uh, modern. Oh my gosh.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Geez. You're welcome. Anytime.
0: Anyway, um, I don't know what I was talking about anymore. That's all right. I
1: think you were going to say people, because we had the conversation at the office. I was
0: going to say that there is a misconception out there of what you can and can't do at your property management office. I have heard rumors that you cannot sell real estate at all out of that office, that all you can do is rentals. Is that true or no? Let's
1: set the record straight. So, I can't sell out of that office because I'm just employed there. Uh, my license with, is with Keller Williams Greater Lexington. That's where I sell. It's a full functioning brokerage in itself. Uh, if we had sales agents, they could sell. Um, but we don't have any licensed agents under that brokerage. Okay. There's just a principal broker.
0: And that principal broker is? Mary Ann. Right, Marsh. at Keller, at Keller, Keller Williams yeah, Greater, Greater Lexington, <laughs> yeah so are you still selling real estate buyers and sellers or are you I just see you like property management now uh, mostly
1: so I've been primarily property management actually back in October I partnered with Dana Gentry and we formed um, a new real estate team uh, the 360 merged, yeah, real estate partners 360 and my uh, my role my duty for there is basically coaching and vision and growth
0: wit for her team yeah or for, for, our for, team, for your yeah. team yeah. So you and Dana, um, Dana sells too, though. She sells traditional buy and sell real estate as we think of it, right?
1: Yeah, she hasn't really technically sold in a couple of years. Uh, Her team has done that. She's been the growth and the vision and the coach for that. Um, But she represents buyers, sellers and investors. And we merged back last year um, because we have a a bigger vision for what we really want to do. Together. Um,
0: have you or Dana, I mean, I'm not sure. Is Dana a broker?
1: No, Dana's not a broker.
0: Have you guys, you know, tossed around of like one of you getting your brokers?
1: Um, no, I don't ever foresee, you know, either of us leaving Keller Williams, Greater Lexington uh, or Keller Williams in general. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um. So I, how do you... I mean how did you build this machine because i remember when i was new here in 2015 i feel like kentucky life was just starting to you had the mural downtown or you were getting ready to paint it and i saw people taking pictures with it and so how did this i mean how did you start getting clients to 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 let you manage their rentals yeah
1: that's a really good question so we relaunched um I believe it was probably March of 2015. So this March will be four years. Um, And we simply built our entire business by repeat and referral, Um, building those systems out that, hey, we're not going to go get billboards and we're not going to you know go pay for ads. We're not going to go do a bunch of print things. We're just going to do it the old-fashioned way, have a relationship with people, treat our people good, and they will go out and find our business. And fast forward four years, um, it's been a pretty big success, I would say.
0: I know you just won an award for like the best property management we did. company.
1: Yes, we're super, super proud about that.
0: I mean, for a company that's only four years old, you are, you're winning awards, you're, when I think of property management, I think of Kentucky Life, really. I feel like I feel like there was a huge need in, in this market and probably a ton of other markets out there that property managers were kind of shit.
1: You're not wrong. You're I not mean, not at all.
0: There, I had a lady that sold five investment properties with me, and the, her property manager just did her so dirty. They pretended to do work for her, and she was an architect in California. She had the money. She would. She wanted these properties to be well taken care of, and you know the gutters falling down. Can you go fix it? And they'd be like, "Yep, we've fixed it. Send us the five grand." Absolutely. But it never would get fixed, right? And it's so dirty. And that company is still around. And I just think people should be very careful who they work with. But like Kentucky life is not that way.
1: No, we're the complete opposite. You know, anytime an investor calls our office, I always say. You know, do your due diligence. There's a property management company for every type of investor.
0: Are you a slumlord? You may not be absolutely the right you may not, not be the right fit us. for like Josh Epler. You know, <laughs>
1: absolutely. And and my first question is I want to get to know the investor and know their goals, their investment goals, so we can align to make sure they're in line with our vision and our mission as well. Because if we just don't take on a door to be taking on a door, we want to make sure that you know their investment goals match what we can do. And I always say we're a professional property management company. And that's what we have to provide. Um, if if you want X percent, um, you might be better for somebody else who's not going to visit your property for two or three years. Yeah, uh, that's not us. Um, so we've we've really built our company on repeat and referral. And from day one, we built our systems to scale. So we, we you know we envisioned the end game in mind, so we um, we can continue to grow as big as we want.
0: So I want to I want to ask you about that. So what is the vision? I know you have a great partnership and relationship with Dana, but you know you you are Josh Shepler, and you have your own name. And I I I fully think you're you're just killing it in ways that other people are not. Well, thank you. So where does Josh Shepler kind of see himself in like two years and five years from now? I think I'm just curious about that.
1: Yeah. So. With the company, you know, I'm extremely gold gold driven Goal-driven. Gold, gold driven uh, we, we have these uh, signs we all put on our door at the office, and it says, Gold Digger. <laughs> and when those Gold Digger signs are up on our doors, nobody can bother us. It's kind of like our time block That's and our cool. lead generation hour. Um, and, you know, for Kentucky Life Property Management, we're definitely expanding that, and we're continuing, continuing to grow. Uh, we're an hour radius around Lexington at the probably back in the end of – Q1 will be in Louisville, so um, we're uh-huh. looking at about 500 units to manage there. So wow. uh, we are going to be branching out there, maybe Northern Kentucky. So would
0: you open a comp- would you open a brick and mortar um, in Louisville to do something like yes. that? Yes, yeah, we okay. would be
1: uh, for for basically everything within an hour radius. We can manage at the hub office. Um, we've been able to leverage technology, so we don't have to continue continually add more people and more offices, we can just leverage technology to do that.
0: So I I think property management is an extremely, extremely difficult business. I think it takes a certain kind of person. You have a team of people under you that seem to kind of stay with you. Um, I'm assuming it's because, I don't know, maybe you're like paying them a living wage and not like shitting on them and you know treating them nice you know um
1: yeah well we're uh (laughs) you know i have i'm nothing clearly without an amazing team and they're all badasses and they are what we feel like is you know they're bought into our vision they know where we're going and i think that's super important important that if you're on a team or you're working for a company if you have employees they have to be bought into your vision and as long as they know where they're going and you train and you coach them and you pour back into them then they're going to they're going to make your dreams come true in any aspect
0: I just I can't I can't get down with the there's a book out there about like riding the bus or something and everyone's got to be like on the bus with you if you're like driving it you know it's a team it's a book about teams and real yeah. estate but I just it's hard for me to understand even with a property management team or a regular real estate team, if you're paying someone, look, if I'm paying someone to run my books for me and I'm selling 10 million and I'm paying them $10 an hour, do you think they're going to care about my business? Right. Absolutely. They're not going to care. No.
1: And number one, you know, we, we sat down and I have one-on-ones every single month. And I, you know, at the beginning of the year, next week, we're going on a uh, our vision and goal setting retreat to Seaside, Florida. Can so I go? Uh, I mean, come on, we have a big van, let's go. Uh, But it's important that you sit down and you find out what their personal goals are. And once you establish that and you hold them accountable to their personal goals, for me, it's enriching and rewarding to watch each one of my people grow. That's probably the most rewarding thing in all of this, to be honest with you.
0: Are you looking for people that want to sell real estate or you are not necessarily looking for that person? Not
1: in Kentucky Life Property Management. So we have, we're departmental style, so which means we have a leasing department. We have a client relations specialist. We have a tenant relations specialist. We have operations. Uh, and then now you, uh, we, uh, we launched the Airbnb division. So we're departmental style. On the real estate team, obviously we recruit agents, um, but not for Kentucky Life Property Management.
0: So I want to ask you a little bit about Airbnb because I ran one um, several years ago, and I sold that property last year. It 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 ran me ragged, man. I couldn't keep up with it. It was a very lucrative thing at the time, and now this has been two years ago. Um, do you feel that the market is getting saturated with Airbnbs?
1: Um, not at this time. There's still so much opportunity. Because um, I saw
0: so. recently that you commented on a post on the LBAR page, which is a.k.a. a bitch fest. Um,
1: yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Sometimes and you, you were to like, set the record straight. <laughs>
0: people, I, I mean, I wanted to tag you and be like, let's ask like, maybe an expert about this because we're just like bitching about it. And let's ask somebody that really knows, someone like Josh Epler that runs Airbnb. So yeah. you don't feel like there's getting saturated. No. You're not con- are you concerned with regulations? Uh
1: the regulations really don't scare us. We have met with the council members and you know several of the council members actually have and run Airbnb, so oh. um we're not as concerned that they're going to have regulations that will stop Airbnb in our market. Um do I think that we need more regulations? Absolutely that we require a permit, that you might have to turn in your number of bookings. Um, You know, those are not bad things because anything has to be managed and you have to inspect what you expect. So I I fully believe that it should be regulated in some capacity. Um, No, I don't think the market is saturated. There's still a ton of opportunity. All of our properties we're bringing on. Four or five properties a month are all staying booked out, you know, wow. even in the slower months. So there's still a ton of opportunity.
0: But I think your your properties are probably nicer than, you know, I, looked, I actually looked at a, a downtown, uh, it was a townhouse to buy myself. It comes fully furnished. They're running Airbnb. And then when I looked online, it was like iPhone pictures. Yeah. And they were only booked like once a month. And I'm like, eh, I know, don't want to buy that. But... You know, if look, if you take nice pictures and let someone like you run it, like maybe it would be a thriving Listen, business. It's like
1: anything else. If you put a real estate listing on and it has crappy pictures, then you're going to attract crappy people.
0: Please <laughs> <But>, preach. <like.
1: laughs> exactly. But, you know, it's mm-hmm. with Airbnb and that platform, it's the survival of the fittest. So you have to be top tier. You have to have the nicest photos. When people are looking, you're, you know, you have to make sure that everything is exactly perfect to stand out in the crowd. And your ratings, your ratings are the life of your investment. It's a different world. If you don't have five-star ratings and you're a super host, then people don't book with you. So you have to be top tier and it's survival of the fittest. So that's why I think, you know, people saying that they should be regulated and shouldn't be in town, they're, they're increasing values for neighborhoods left and right. The ones that we're renovating... And, you know, representing for our clients, we go in, they buy them for 150000 hundred and fifty thousand, dump money into them, then they get appraised for two hundred and sixty thousand. They have just helped that entire neighborhood appreciate. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, people don't realize that, but you know, it's the same it's the same kind of people that complain about Zillow or um Or that buyer's agents are going away. And it's the same kind of fear. It's fear mongering. The agents, we, God, they feed into that, don't they? Of like, I'm terrified I'm going to lose my business. It's a scarcity mindset. Work your ass off. Like, I don't know what else to tell people. Yeah, it's it's
1: definitely a scarcity mindset. And, you know, it's just. Backed by limiting beliefs.
0: I think you're right, though. With the it's it's almost the same as people. Like the strongest will survive. Like even in real estate and with Airbnbs and properties in general. Like
1: I mean, you know, if you look at it as uh, if you're going to compare a traditional rental to the short term, you throw somebody in a traditional rental, you really don't know what they're doing if you're not having it managed. So they're there. They may mow their yard. They may not. They may clean they may not they with, may not
0: pay you for two months
1: exactly hey hey but with the short-term <laughs> that <was> property <laughs> <laughs> that was your experience yeah that was before you hired us
0: i didn't i did not hire you for this one this one was uh, off of north broadway it was on broadview and i was very here's my problem too is i get very emotionally attached to the properties and i and shouldn't so do that every owner see everyone's like you run it like a business and it, it, I, I just can't, I was attached to it. You know, we,
1: I just met with an investor, uh, yesterday, he has 70 properties and oh God. he's managed them for the last 10 years. And his biggest, biggest question to me was, Hey, do you accept partial payments? And I said, no, we don't accept partial no,
0: payments. No, honey.
1: But you know, and his wife was there as well, but they have an emotional attachment to the property where, you know, if the single mom comes and says, well, my kid has to go to school. Can I pay 15 days late? You know, we're empathetic.
0: They've all got a story, they but all look, have a story, like they're they're professional scammers out there. You yeah, know, I went through it.
1: Yeah, you're you know your dog can only die so many times. God, you're, mine lost her job
0: <laughs> twice, and then she had a sick mother in Thailand, and God, she I had to evict her, and she came to court, and they usually don't come to court, and she showed up and got in my face, and. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure they had to eject her from the courtroom. It was intense. And I probably didn't sleep for three months, four months, six months. However long I owned that property, I didn't sleep. Yeah, That's how bad my anxiety was. I just think I'm a terrible landlord. No, but
1: you're you're definitely not alone. I hear this story all the time.
0: Well, I met with you, and and then you were gonna you were gonna list a property for me that I had flipped. And I ended up selling it to my hair stylist. But I told
1: you we would sprinkle that like little, good luck little, little, dust all over. You, you really and you did. Sold it. <laughs> it was it was
0: true. He did. I don't know where it comes from, but it's true. But you all made it. It was so easy. I mean, the. I can't remember who was the girl that I had talked to that managed. Our manages. Lifestyle
1: Leasing Ambassador, rock star, Badass, Becca P's. All of it. It was Becca. Yes.
0: And she was like, oh, I've got a full day of showings tomorrow. I was like, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, her because average days on the market are 16, and she's not going to let anybody mess with that.
0: Another property management company had that property for I don't know how long. And for the same price that you did... And the same pictures that I had, which was professional, and I didn't get it rented.
1: Well, that's because we don't operate on effort, we operate on results. And results speak for our owners. So that's why they hire us. And we're we're backed by our numbers and proven results. So we we get to work. You hire us, we get to work.
0: And and it's 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 legit, it's true. Like you're not just saying a bunch of shit here. Like it is true with you. So I, I want to, I want to talk about when you first got started in property management, because it was c- kind of a new thing when I was here in 2015. And I heard, I even heard it behind, behind your back, I guess. And I don't even know you. I recently just met you. And people were like, I don't know what he's doing like there is no money in property management why is this dude like doing this like you need to be in this box of like buy and sell buyer seller investor (laughs) like you know just be this robotic like fit in this box and you were like no I'm not gonna do that. Did people tell that to you to your face? And but you you had to know that people were like, "Josh, you're not going to make any money off of this. Just give it up."
1: Absolutely, and that's happened literally since day one. And you know that's why I, I went and formed a real estate team and launched it because I was, you know, I caught listening to the noise, and I and I thought I was doing what I should. And I kept getting in my head saying, "You know what? Maybe they're right. Maybe you need to go." What I you know chase the money go it is about the money let's 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 just try this real estate team but i always came back to property management and i've always had this passion and I, you know passion is you know the price and you're willing to pay it so yeah. i told myself if you want to stay the course and you want to do this then you have to pay the price and if that means people talking behind your back if that means that you have to go without just stay the course and it's going to all work out but absolutely 24/7 people said what are you doing why would you do that for the headaches for the pennies you make but i knew that it wasn't about day 1 it was about where i wanted to go and if you can regardless of whatever you're doing in your life if you can just stay focused on where you want to go you will always make it but you have to have a passion for it and i truly have a passion for property management and not just management but for helping investors win and win big and when you have that passion, Tiffany, it's, it's unstoppable. I truly believe that.
0: When was the time, because I'm sure that you lived several, maybe years even of being like, oh my God, what am I doing? I am, I am a failure. I mean, I think we all feel that way sometimes. I mean, even now, you know, when was that time that you were like, you know, this is something big, this is bigger than me. And, I, I'm, uh, I feel successful.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've always heard, Tiffany, that if you want to impress people, talk about your successes. If you want to impact people, talk about your failures. And I could be here for hours because I've never let failure define me. I've always looked at, looked at failure as a progress and a stepping stone. And the most successful people are good at plan B. And I've had a lot of plan Bs. And you just have to know to pick back up. And I've always picked back up and kept it moving because I always had the end goal in mind. And I think that so many people, you know, along their journey, whatever they're trying to accomplish is that they, they lose that end goal in mind. They're, they're looking at the hardships in today and it's for anything in life. It, you, it will pass. You just have to know that, Hey, in five years, this is where I'm going and nobody's going to stop me. And then it all just falls together. But it starts with your mindset, you know, <laughs> in life that you're, you're either going to be about your problems or your opportunities. Like, and we all know that you're going to be running away from something or running towards something. Your life is about your decisions. And for me, I had to make the decision to, Hey, get your mindset, right? Because your mindset determines your choices and then your choices determine your life. So that's truly how I believe. So it it has come full circle. And to be honest, I've never put it back out there and said, Hey, look at me now. But I have for years people said get out of that business you do rentals and you know agents will still call the office and look down on us because you know we rent properties and uh they think it's just you know so beneath them but Oh my god. You know if in 4 years yeah. we've built a seven figure business that's nothing to you know that's not nothing you know that's something <laughs> to be proud of and No it and,
0: is. I don't think people quite realize the, the scale that this is. How many property, do you know how many properties right now that Kentucky Life is managing?
1: Uh, well, last month alone, we onboarded 250 doors. Uh, we're getting closer. We're right at a little over 1,000 units.
0: You Kentucky Life is managing 1,000 doors.
1: Yeah. And we're on track to probably be at 2,000 by the end of this year.
0: Well, I I believe you you will be. I mean, you're you're moving into Louisville. You've got 500 doors coming there, so there's 1500 right there. Yeah. So,
1: and hey, we're in Mount yeah. Sterling. We'll be in Mount Sterling tomorrow, meeting with investor with 200. So, uh, so you may ahead. surpass
0: this quicker than I mean, quicker than you think.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's what I also want to say is that we've we've had an agent ambassador program that we put in place about two years ago. And it more so it's about educating real estate agents and how to work with investors and how to refer them to us and how we can partner and be an extension of agents teams. So, you know, most agents don't know how to work with investors and don't know the numbers, the lingo and what goes on. So if you know, they may work with a multi housing client, but at the end of the day, it's unfortunate that they don't care what happens to that client after they put them with a management company. And to us, if we do a really, really good job and make it hassle-free and give them peace of mind, then they're going to go back to you and they're going to buy more because they're going to say, Oh my gosh, Tiffany, that was so easy. Let me go buy some more.
0: So how do you... I have I kind of know this, but... And I have thrown you business. I've tried to for years. I don't know who has rented with you or not I don't care but I know that you are there to take care of them and that's all that that I care about but let's say that I'm an agent and I send you a referral uh, a person that's going to rent for a year and I'm like look Josh I'm working they're working on credit I really want them to buy with me after their yearly lease is done do you I think people think that you're like well hey 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 I sell real estate too I know that they're going to be done, you know, they're going to be done in a year. So I'm going to take this buyer for myself. And I just don't, I just know that it's not that way. So how do you handle that?
1: Well, anytime the, obviously the investor comes in with us with a partner being an agent, then that's all recognized up front. And we have the agent sign an agreement with us, knowing that they can have confidence that we're going to give that investor back. Um, And, you know, it's important to also comment that, you know, an agent, you might refer an investor to me today. That investor may not be ready to buy for six months to a year. The important thing is we keep following up with that investor every single week. It's a part of my system. I always say fortunes in the follow up. So I might stay in touch with that investor. And then by the time he's ready to secure a property, he says, oh, who was I working with again? Because that agent has not kept up with them. So then we go back to the agent and say, hey, uh, so-and-so investor is ready to buy, you need to connect with them. So we keep mm-hmm. those relationships open because you and I both know most agents, they're only going to work with people that's zero or three months. They're not looking at the people that, it's, to it's build their high, pipeline. It's,
0: it's low-hanging fruit. It is. And I will you know I had this conversation recently with, I got a Zillow lead and it was, it was $70,000 or something. And they were like, oh, I'm not ready to buy till June. And someone was like well what are you going to do with that person and I'm like well I'm going to try to follow up with them in June but look sometimes when you are working at scale at big volume you kind of have to work low hanging fruit sometimes I want to get the high hanging fruit but like I can't always I can't always do that reach I'm only 5'2 I'm short (laughs) like
1: then you need some stilettos that I, solves everything, right?
0: That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't always get those people. So I had no idea that you guys even did that, that if I have investors, because I'll be honest, do I like working investors? No, I do not.
1: It's a long-term win.
0: It's a long-term
1: Uh, commitment.
0: It's a, it's a commitment. And I'm, 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 I ain't that kind of girl.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You ain't no back girl. I I don't want your
0: commitment, but
1: hey, we stay committed for you. And that truly is. I didn't know that you did that. Yeah. We're, we're in it to win it. And we truly follow up with them every single week. And we say, Hey, where are you at? Where are you at? What's going on in your investment world with the investor? And, and truly they, a lot of times, Forget who they're working with because their agent has forgotten about them.
0: Do you do you kind of bird dog and look for property for them that's kind of pocket listing or off market or whatever it is? If we're not
1: representing them. No. Okay. Uh, we don't do that. If we find deals or if they come across our desk, which they always do, we reach out to the agent and say, "Hey, present this to your client." We wow. never get in middle of that. We don't money the water because we we want to keep that relationship open. But when it comes to tenants, you know, they always agents always ask, hey, can I get them back? Of course, they're not ours to keep. But at the same time, you have to, as the agent, be intentional about how you're going to have a relationship with them. Because it's not just us, it's other agents and other people, you know, mailing to them every month, texting them, reaching out. So you as an agent also have to do your side to, to build that relationship because we can refer you, but it doesn't mean they're going to work with you.
0: Everyone just like rewind that for like two minutes and just listen to everything that he just said. Cause I think it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's crazy. It's important. And I think what you're doing, no one else is doing in town. I I think you're kind of a disruptor in a good way. I know KW uses this kind of language of like disruptors and like
1: disrupt or be disrupted.
0: I, I think you, I think you are, and there's not a lot of people like you and you know, so, I I want to talk about you know I can't make it like super easy you know I just I just love to put you all like through it well, you bring know bring
1: it on like quit so, playing around what do you got for me so
0: I talk about this newsday piece we talked about it a little bit before the show um, this investigation on discrimination you being who you are and i mean everybody knows who you are i don't think it's a secret that you're a beautiful gay man that like runs property <laughs> management you know i i just i don't think it's like a secret out there and you're not trying to like go back in the closet and like you know what i mean so nope.
1: been there done that so have
0: you have you ever faced discrimination From and not just like from agent to agent, because I feel like that's out there, but also from client to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and if we're being honest, you know, like the investor world is a male driven, high ego industry. And, you know, (laughs) years Uh, ago, I was told or, or made to believe that, hey, being a flashy kind of gay man you're you're not going to win in this industry and but if we're being transparent I've always just been me it's never been about any labels and I don't walk in and say hey this is I'm Josh and this is who I am I just say hi I'm Josh and I I meet the other person they form their own opinions about me I don't I don't walk Mm -hmm. in and push my beliefs and you know anything about me I, I feel like in this industry you stay neutral for, for me, yeah. I stay neutral, but I can still be who I am and be neutral.
0: Well, I think your numbers really back it up. You know, if if someone doesn't particularly agree or whatever their opinions are, you have big numbers to back up.
1: Well, in this, you know, I think what a lot of agents make a mistake is I had to learn that it's not about me. And if, if anyone can learn that, then they can get out of their heads and they can do business. Because it's not about us in any situation and any problem, it's typically not about you. you have to make it about your client. So when you make it about your client, then it's it's not even a discussion and And to be honest, that no one has ever even brought it up you know about it because if you offer value, that's all they care about.
0: Do you think that would be different if you were maybe a gay black man
1: I mean I don't really think it makes a difference. to To be honest, I mean, just to be different in itself is a challenge. So, regardless of how you're different, doesn't matter.
0: Do you think that if you were a, you know, the Lexington blue bloods, just a white dude that, you know, my dad was a builder or a broker or whatever, and do you think that would have been an easier path for you?
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, like we can all get caught up in our heads on what could be easier and what, what, what someone else is struggling with and what someone else is going through. But it just boils down to back. What I was saying earlier is if you know your end game, none of that is a distraction. You are on your way and you just let all that be noise. It's just noise in your life. And there's so much noise around us in any capacity, in any field, in any profession that if you allow it to become a distraction, it'll take you off course.
0: Yeah, I, I mean I, I totally I get that and I I want to I want to be one of those people that that lives like that too. But I'm not necessarily a person that lives like that. I, I had a long talk with Tawanda Lahore um, a long time ago and she was like, look, She and I sell about the same amount of real estate. We have a similar client base and clientele and price point and everything. And she was like, my focus is like here. She's like, I am straight ahead. It's all about Tawanda. It's not about anybody else. It's all about me and my business. And she's like one of those like horses that has like those blinders on and they can't see traffic going down other sides. And I'm like, man, I want to live like that. But like, that's hard.
1: Yeah, it, well, because it's intentional. You have to be intentional, and you have to live a purposeful life. Like I said, there's distraction all around us, twenty four seven. You just have to to know where where you're going. Yeah, and it could be easier in a million different ways, um, but easy is not always better. So, so
0: I think I think the perception that people have of a realtor is a, you know, a middle-aged white woman driving a white Mercedes and like, you know, how do we, you don't look like that and I don't look like that. And like, how do we change that perception? Is there anything that LBAR and NAR can do to change that perception?
1: You know, I think it varies between locations and states and cities, how we all look and how we all talk and act and who we are. Um, you know, across the board. And I I think at the end of the day, we have to raise the bar in our profession because, you know, we're facing a big monster right now with technology and the, the piece that we as agents are facing and competing with. So raising the bar and the value that we bring the consumer is the important thing. And if we focus on our value and what we're offering the consumer, then no one should have a problem. Do I think that our board um, should step up in ways to help minorities? Absolutely. Because I know as a minority, I've never been offered a hand up. And and I know that probably goes on more often than not. So I think they need to go outside of the box a little bit and and reach out to those people. Um, for me, I've never had an interest on in being involved in that capacity. Mm-hmm. So I've, you know... If I did, then I'd be paving the way.
0: But other people have, including the biggest broker in town, which is Eli. And I talked to him. I don't know if he talked about it on my podcast, but I did talk to him um, about some really uh, hard things to talk about. And he had said that he had tried to be on the committees or the board or something for many years, and he never got in. And I'm like, you are, you own the biggest brokerage in town. Like, at that time, he did. And I'm like, I just, I just don't believe in my heart that it's because, like, well, somebody's more qualified. Like, I don't believe that. So, I just, you know, he has built this brand and this brokerage, this huge company on, um, acceptance and people there are they run the gamut of like diverse people and I just I I just would love to know how LBAR could look like that, how NAR could look like lifestyle.
1: Right. And you know, at the end of the day, we are the one who are paying the dues to all those organizations. So if if you want a difference, then we as the members would be the ones to make the difference. And I think that's getting together. And forming a purpose and a mission on what we want to accomplish, you know, as individuals or a group and going after it. I think that's the only way we can get something accomplished.
0: So I am part of it. I've been in this for a long time and um, I'm kind of selfish about it because I don't want other people to be involved. But like they should. Um, It's called the National Association of Gay and Lesbian Real Estate Professionals. And I have been a member of that for like five years And I do get business off of it, but there was a, I don't know if it was an NAR event that like Donald Trump or somebody was supposed to be speaking at and like, that's RPAC money. And that organization was pissed that it might have been Mike Pence or someone, I don't really know, but they were speaking at some realtor event that we pay for, that RPAC pays for. And so they were like, you need to get more involved. And if it bothers you, then like maybe like join a committee. And so I did. I joined a committee. And so action. now I'm on RPAC and political, whatever. And like, you know.
1: And and I admire you for that. And to be honest, we have to have people like you in order to have change. Um I, I've never been a front runner or someone who waves a flag in any capacity that says this is what I believe in. Uh, I've always taken the back seat with that. I've always stood up when necessary, but I've never been the one to say this is how it should be. So I admire that that you, I mean, you've done that. I mean, am
0: I here to cost some shit? Like, maybe I am.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll stir the pot when necessary, but mm, yes. um, I, I tend to stay in the background.
0: So I don't believe that at all. You're running like a huge company, but what I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting together these pieces and what you were saying about like, you know, people talk shit about you back then when you first started and your mentality is just like, I've got to move on. Like, I've got to move past, past. this. I've got to stay positive. Like, and from, from being like, someone that is very connected to the gay community. Like, I feel like that is a a huge mentality of the LGBTQ community is that, you know, shit happens to us. And we, we get downtrodden and we pick ourselves back up and we move on and we, we have to stay positive about it because we can't be these, like, negative, you know.
1: Negative Nancy's.
0: Yeah, but like I think I think what you're saying about business maybe relates to like your lifestyle too of like it's not always easy being who I am or what I'm running this company, but I'm going to I'm going to move past it and be who I am.
1: Absolutely. It starts with your mindset. What you think determines what you do, and what you do determines who you are. So, you know, it all goes back to your mindset. You have to get your mind right.
0: Which is really easier said than done.
1: Absolutely. It's a process. And, you know, what you focus on expands and you have to do your daily affirmations. And, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, well, that's all just bull crap. You have to feed yourself what you want to expand. You have to listen to books. You have to... Uh, you know you have to surround yourself with people that are positive you have to make the effort to change your mindset and once that's in place and i have a true passion around mindset you can change anything in your life you just have to have the right mindset
0: it's you know it's it's difficult to do i think i think you you and i both have had uh good friends in our lives that maybe weren't so good to us um i had it for many years of someone that wasn't so good to me in the business that i recently had to let go and um that's been very very difficult for me and i'm i know you've been there too and it's it's just a hard it's a hard road
1: yeah you know i think for myself i have high expectations for people Um, I have a lot of acquaintances, but I don't have a lot of close friends. And I think that, you know, throughout the years with anybody, um, you build up a wall around you, you just protect yourself and you don't want to be vulnerable. Uh, What I've learned though, you know, throughout the years is that people are going to come into your life for different reasons and different seasons. And it's okay when they walk out because they're not meant to be in your life. And you have to be, again, okay with, hey, I'm still on my journey. They're on a different journey. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means they're meant to be somewhere that you're not and you know likewise.
0: So do you do you find that this is a a quite lonely business?
1: It can be. Yes. Um but to be honest, I'm I'm an extroverted introvert. So for me I have to have my me time and my alone time. So you know, there's so many people that can want to be your friend. That doesn't mean they're truly your friend. So I think this is a business that you're going to have a lot of friends because it's a very social networking type of business, but you have to know going into it, Hey, what do I want out of these relationships? Am I going to be intentional about what I'm getting out of that relationship? Or are you, are you just going to see them for what they are? They're just networking. They're just social friends. And then you're going to go find those relationships that, you know, not to make it biblical and go back here, but when God wants to bless, bless you, he blesses you at the relationship. And I think that's truly a friend. And that doesn't mean that you have to have 500 friends. It could be one friend that that's all you need to get what you need. And I truly believe that. So you don't have to surround yourself with 500 people. You just have to pick the right ones in your life. And those friends may not be your friends within five years or 10 years along your journey. Uh, things change and people change. And you just need to surround yourself with people who are going to support you and love you for whatever you do. But they also need to challenge you because the right friends and the, you are the sum of the five people you surround yourself I with.
0: I love that. That's like my favorite quote. And, I, and it's, I, it's, it's, it's hard. It,
1: and I've truly lived by that. And you know, throughout my life, I've been intentional about who I've placed in my life. Is it hard when those people go that have hurt you? Absolutely. But you have to be okay with change because most of us don't want to live outside of our comfort zone. And, and you know, we know that outside of our comfort, comfort zone, that's where you grow and that's, that's growth.
0: So when you first started Kentucky Life, what was that uncomfortable zone for you? Was it um, prospecting? Or, or even when you were selling real estate, I mean, I don't know if you cold called or if you were working Zillow leads or what you are working because you're not you're not from Lexington, are you?
1: No, I'm from Western Kentucky. Yeah, so shout you... out to Ohio County. Whoa big Ohio County. Whoa. People are always like, where is that at? Is that in Ohio? I'm like, no, it's it's a county. In Kentucky, we refer to it as counties. Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. Um,
1: no, I was, when I first started anything, each phase of, of my career, I was, I was afraid that I wasn't building it fast enough. And I think that's just an entrepreneurial mindset that nothing is ever going to be fast enough and big enough.
0: I feel that way all the time.
1: And even with you know, even when you have team members and you have employees, and you have to always realize is that my my minimum is some people's maximum. And when you when you recognize that, you know, you can be a little calmer with people, and you can be a little more gentle. Um, because we as entrepreneurs want to build it fast and big and not nobody can ever do it better and fast enough and, and bigger than we right. can. Um, but so, I think you have yeah. to recognize that.
0: I, um, a broker once talk, talked to me about an agent and, and he said, you know, this particular agent, her, her valleys are some people's peaks. Absolutely. And I never, I, I have remembered that for five years now and thought, you know, I, I am, I am at that level at this point. It has taken me a hard, hard ass road to get there. Um, and I, I truly feel like I have built a business the hardest way possible. Yeah. Like, I've built it on strangers and cold calls and Zillow leads and like, just general scraping the barrel the right. bottom of it and, and it's hard
1: and you know, you know i think agents that that's also a limiting belief and fear that if you know let's say you're at one point in your career that someone says hey well go do x more millions or sell more houses they look at it as oh my gosh well it took me so many blood sweat and tears to get here that it's going to be that same road getting to the next level and it's that's not the, not the case where you've been doesn't mean that you've got to go back and do all those things you can leverage people, tools and systems to get you to the next level. It's, and that's something fear. that
0: I haven't taken advantage of or done. I I went back and and recently looked at what my numbers were a year ago. And I know people do this all the time. I mean, the, the amount of business that I'm selling, like, I'll be honest, when people ask me, like, how much real estate are you selling? I'm like, I literally don't know. <laughs> like, I'm just surviving. Let me get
1: my calculator I out. I don't,
0: I just don't know. But I recently well, sat amazing. down. Well, thank you. I sat down and figured it up. And I'm like, okay, in 2018, I sold 40 homes. In 2019, I sold 48 homes. And I had sat down with, with my broker at the time. And I was like, you know, I want to sell, I would love to sell 75 homes a year. And I didn't hit that. And I, it crushed me that I didn't, but she was like, you know, maybe you just physically can't. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I think I can. Like Ricky Carruth, the zero to diamond guy sells a hundred something homes a year as a solo agent. Right you know, um, and I think, why can't I?
1: And I think and that's because you have to, you have to change your mindset in that situation because we all get caught up in our goals. And I don't know if you've ever read the book leadership, by I don't John even Maxwell. have
0: any goals. You know, that's <laughs> crazy. Like well,
1: it, well, let's say you say, Oh my gosh, I'm going to sell 65 homes and you don't hit it. Yeah. You're crushed. But at the end of the day, we have to shift from goals to growth. So if you can look at it as, Oh my gosh, I've grown as an agent and I've learned X, Y, Z. Well, then the next year you're going to take that growth and be able to sell 75 more. So while goals are important because they're tracked and they're measurable, you also have to look at growth.
0: Yeah, I never, I guess I never quite thought of that with that way. And I think a lot of that goes to like joining a new brokerage this year, you know, or late last year. And like, you know trying to do something different that i think i just really needed at that time yeah. do you ever you know you're you're sta- you're saying you're you're staying at KW and that's what you love i mean why why do you cuz it's almost like you're so big at this point like you don't need it you know but why is that particular brokerage for you
1: yeah i'm glad you asked that question because i get asked that all the time and and some of the biggest agents on the planet are with kw and it's literally because they're able to go and leverage their business and kw allows you to think bigger and for me it's about the education i know that if i'm not learning then i'm not growing so it goes back to the gross growth aspect and kw for me is more like an entrepreneur's uh, university you get what you want out of it. So you go into it and you say, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to these classes and I'm gonna go to these masterminds and and I'm gonna be intentional about who is in the company that I want to meet and mentor. What you learn from them is going to grow your business. And for me, for my business, I've learned so much in KW that continues to grow my business. Even as of last week we had a mastermind in Dayton, Ohio, that, you know, we dropped more nuggets and we were able to present about Airbnb. We presented our business to provide that value to the top 100 agents. So, mm-hmm. it's all about sharing. So for me, I've I've learned so much. It's almost like staying in school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, agents need different things out of their businesses, and there's a brokerage for every agent in town, but what I truly believe in what we are preaching to create client experiences that the brokers need to realize that agents need the same thing. We need a community. We need the experience. If we're saying that our buyers and sellers and investors need a buying experience and a selling experience and a community, we need to create Facebook groups. Agents also want that within a brokerage, a community and an experience. And yes, they do brokerages that don't get that are not going to be around for very long.
0: So I want to I want to talk to you about that too because KW is losing a lot of agents to EXP, and it's happening. It's not net. It's not happening here because I don't think I don't think EXP has that hold here like other you know bigger markets. What is your opinion on something like EXP?
1: Uh, what aspect of it is why we're losing so many agents?
0: Well, I mean. With you, like, you could, you could be, you would be a great candidate, I would imagine, for EXP. And I'm sure you've been recruited like the Dickens. But, you know, because it's virtual, it's like, well, you don't, you don't, you already have another office. So it's not like you're going to miss, like me, I would miss coming into this office every day and seeing people and our classes and whatever. But there are people out there that don't necessarily need that. And that's fine. But like...
1: Or really you, want that? Sometimes or want they that. don't know what they need, um, right? You know, you know,
0: I think it's necessary. I think education is necessary, and I think if you are one of those people that you know goes to a brokerage just because it's cheap and like you know, I, I went here because it's affordable and I pay the lowest dues in town and I just didn't need any more classes. I'm like, you are going to be hurting my friend,
1: exactly. And and you know, between us and you know, as an industry. It's changed considerably in the last five years. The whole landscape of real estate has changed and things are becoming automated and, you know, we're in a platform war and, you know, five, 10 years ago, I competed with you as an agent. Now, as agents, we're competing with Amazon who are creating these massive platforms with artificial intelligence that's providing all of this value to consumers that is going to be difficult if you're not with a company who is on top of the technology and the forefront to bring you that knowledge because it's happening. It's happening in all aspects of our lives so we can't deny that it is happening.
0: Do you think we're competing with Zillow?
1: Absolutely.
0: Cuz I'm a big Zillow agent. I really love it. I I know a lot of people don't and that's okay. Like I you don't, you know, you don't have to. Like that's okay with me, but like it's 50% of my business and I really like I meet people from Africa or South America or wherever they're from. And like, I'm never going to meet those people any other way. Right. So, you know, I just, I just really enjoy it, but it's changing rapidly. It
1: is. And, and, you know, people don't want an on-demand agent. They want on-demand information. The same as we want to go home, get in our beds and put on Netflix and we sign in and it's it's curated there. experience that it has our name and it says, Hey, Tiffany, you watched XYZ last night based on that. Then you're, we suggest you watch this. It's, it's a platform that's curated and it's experienced. So Amazon, will they be able to create that with the data? Absolutely. Um, you know, even as, as, us as agents, do I think that the, that will never be, that will not, no longer be in business. I don't think that I think the number of agents agent count will probably go down but I think our worth and our value will change considerably in the next 5 years depending mm-hmm. you know I mean there's companies out there redfin mm-hmm. that pays agents now to go open a door
0: right they get and, paid for everything they do it's almost it's like an a la carte type and they haven't They don't have a stronghold in this market either, but in other bigger markets, they really do.
1: Right. You know, the momentum is catching on. But, you know, our value to a consumer 10 years ago was much different. We went out and we we went to a listing appointment and we gave numbers. We provided those numbers. You know, you fast forward today.
0: They already know. The
1: seller doesn't need us for that. They already have that. We have to offer the value of, you know what, I've toured all these homes. Here's what they look like. And based on those that are on the market or that have sold, here's what your home is worth. Zillow can't provide that. Amazon can't provide that. Um, you know, after that then we came up with value propositions. We said we're gonna do the photography, we're gonna do closing gifts, we're gonna do have your home cleaned. Well now Amazon is saying buy a home with us, we'll give you five thousand dollars, you know, in credits, online credits. That's, That's the through value.
0: realology.
1: Right. That's the yeah. value proposition. Um, so you know, they're offering the value and a curated experience. So we as agents have to back up and be more focused on the experience we're creating for our clients. That's what's going to keep us in the industry.
0: So I want to I ask you, uh, and not that you speak for Keller Williams, but you're a Keller agent and you're here and doing my podcast. And I'm going to ask you. I bleed
1: red. I drink so the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I want to <laughs> talk
0: to you about the... Cause I follow so many, you know, Legion Facebook groups, private groups, whatever. And the, the big, they talk about Zillow and they complain about it. And, you know, Zillow, Zillow offers is here. It's not here in our market, but it will be, I believe, in the next two to five years. Actually, it might be but the next two to three years. Um, Zillow is, they bought a uh, they bought a mortgage company, and people don't like it, but Keller's doing the same thing yeah. Keller they buy homes too they were doing an offers program where they'll buy your home to these i buyers but they also i didn't know this until recently, but they also own a mortgage company
1: absolutely and Keller there's mortgage.
0: there's a friend of mine in Jacksonville that is a Keller agent, and he was pushing it on Facebook of like get pre-approved with Keller and I'm like why is that any different than Zillow doing what they're doing you know I I I don't know like
1: well, it's kind of one, apples to apples well you know number one Zillow is is a public company a company like Keller Williams Gary Keller owns the company it's not public he is a realtor he has the best interest in his agents um so what he does is in the best interest of his agents and educating them and providing that zillow has no interest for for an agent they're building a platform it's a platform war and it's a race to see who can build the biggest platform and the best platform backed by the biggest data and artificial and intelligence And
0: it is right now i mean it is zillow it, it is zillow. the biggest platform out there and i think it will continue to be um but i think about this of gary keller and i know that people just adore this man um, but there's a lot of controversy around him too. And a lot of people don't like him if you work for another company or whatever. You know, I think, I think it's great. Like whatever people listen to, I think it's great. Like listen to something, believe in something, Absolutely. you know? Um, but you know, he makes money off of you guys as well, you know, with the profit shares. And you know, he, he makes money from you all and Zillow makes money from me and Zillow makes money from premier agents and I'm like it's this money machine of
1: it is and, and you know money is good for the good it can do and I think with Gary Keller and Keller Williams they've put the money back into technology and they're building platforms for their agents from that side to uh you know we're coming out with a um an app for our consumers and for the agents that is backed by artificial intelligence that can tell um, the realtor, hey, scary upon, or not. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Face the facts, like everything is changing. So you can change with it or be left behind. That the app, you know, will tell the agent, hey, based on your clients' patterns, they've been looking at lows and all these different things they're gonna be buying a home within the next ninety days. So, you know, that's if every business has to make money. So Gary Gary is pouring the money back into technology, which he knows is the animal and the beast that you know. Amazon came to him and said, "Hey, we want to partner with you." We, oh,
0: I didn't know that. We wanted
1: your data, and Gary said, "No,
0: no, bye." But Realology said, "All right, come on in."
1: <laughs> yes, and you know those agents. But that
0: is a company that is hurting. Right. I mean, let's be real; like it's a, it's they're not they're not always doing that great.
1: Um. Yeah. Correct. And you know, eventually, they want to. Amazon wants the consumer to go to their platform, and then they want to say. Hey, we're gonna call the companies that we own, and we're gonna say, "Here's what we're gonna pay you for that lead." They want to become the Zillow. They want to become the Go. I
0: think the only company that can uh, that that can crush or stop someone like Zillow, the only company I can see doing that is Amazon. I yeah. think Keller's been trying to do it for years, but they're in Remax. I mean, they're both these big conglomerate, huge companies that everyone knows, but like. Zillow was still king. Right. But if more people have heard of Amazon than Zillow, so and Absolutely. more people it's, use it.
1: It's a race, you know, to see who can have the the data. It's a And it's Amazon a has
0: more data than anybody else. So
1: And we, you know, we protect our data and at the same time we, you know, put all of our information, our clients' information into dotloop. Well, that that information yeah. was sold. That is the data. Right. So we have to protect that data as Does much as we can. Does it scare you? Um, it doesn't scare me. It just, it just makes me more aware that I have to be you know, with a company that is pouring money into technology. Because it's like anything, you can't deny what's happening before us. And technology is taking over. You can walk into your house and say, hey, Alexa, turn on this. Turn on my stove. Preheat this. Look up this. Right. It's all around us. So if, if in our own industry we're saying, hey, we're just going to ignore this fact and say this isn't happening, then I think that's negligent on our part.
0: So I have just one more question for you. I know you're busy and like, I can't just keep you here all day. We could go on
1: for hours.
0: I could. You're, you're, you're interesting to talk to and you like to talk. And that's what I am looking for. Um, What makes you passionate about, about this, about this property management world, this real estate world? What makes you passionate about it?
1: That I'm able to help people. Um, You know, at the end of the day, In our business, all of our people and our staff know it's wealth creation through real estate. Uh, We're committed to the end goal in mind for our clients. So we know that regardless if we have to get to the office and kick and scream and go through contractors and go through bad tenants, that we have to do what we need to do to provide that wealth creation through real estate for our clients at the end of the day. And every one of our decisions is backed with that in mind. And again, we we all know we don't operate on efforts. We operate on results. So we're results-driven in our office. We all There's words we don't say in our office, and that is try, limiting words. We we intend to do things. And, and all those, although it might sound very minimal, it shifts their mindset, which therefore it's able to get results for our clients.
0: What about slumlord? Do you say that in your life?
1: We don't associate with slumlords. lords? <laughs> if someone
0: comes in and they're like, Josh, I'm a straight slumlord. I want you to manage my property. Are you like,
1: no, Hey, that has, that has happened. We actually just turned down 70 units this morning because they didn't match. Yeah. They did not match with our model. So yeah, I mean, I'm going to continue to be passionate. I don't think I will ever retire. I think ultimately, uh, you know, we expand other markets and, um, life just gets bigger and um i'm here for it
0: i don't know how you do it all you are a machine like i don't know how you manage it all do you sleep at night
1: uh yes um (laughs) i'm kind of one of those um crazy nerds that i want to go home and netflix and chill but i'm like oh my gosh my inner person needs to be doing an org chart or i need to be reading this book Heath always makes fun of me because I get in bed with, and you know, I brought it today. I bring my iPad everywhere with me. I put my iPad in bed, and then I have all my books sitting on my nightstand, and then I just have to have them close because I just need to review my notes and I need to just, you know, keep it all fresh. He's like, "Can you just turn it off for a minute and decompress?" And I'm like, <laughs> "No, I am decompressing." For that's me, your way for of me, doing that's it. Decompressing, yeah.
0: What time do you get up in the morning?
1: Um, generally, 6:30. And Would, that's not always been me. I read, uh, what is the book? The Miracle Morning. That completely changed my mindset, my outlook on getting up in the morning. And you, you wake up with a purpose and you you, know, you win your day. You have to go to bed winning your day and saying, it's going to be an amazing morning and I'm going to get up. That's completely changed because I used to be like so moody in the morning. and was, I hate mornings. It's difficult because I'm a night owl.
0: I am too. What so, time do you go to bed?
1: Uh, midnight.
0: So you're not, you're only sleeping like six and a half hours. So yeah. I mean, that's enough for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. But you know what? I go 100 and then I also uh, I crash. So I'm like... You might, guys go
0: on a lot of vacations and things though, don't you? Like not uh, a lot, but like trips, I see you conf- at the beach. Trips,
1: conferences. Yes. Um, I want right to, offs, you know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this year, actually, I want to be more intentional about taking a trip every single quarter. And that's only because... A, I believe you when you're going away, that's when you're creative and you're fresh. Um, we have a policy in the office that everybody in the office has to take. That we give them two extra days beyond their beyond their vacation days that they have to take two extra days, a quarter off. And that's not to go do something For else. For like
0: mental health. That's <laughs> to just
1: go home and just be them. And we have to force them to take them. But wow. I believe they come back refreshed. And you can't, you can't do that if you're burnt out. So
0: Are you looking to hire in the Lexington office?
1: Yes, we are. We're looking for a maintenance coordinator and a showing agent.
0: What is that showing agent? Because I had a friend that was, I'm trying to get him to apply. And I was like, you know, I he's a burly man. And I'm like, I don't know if you have to travel a lot, but... You know, why not? Why can't a burly dude with a beard, like, meet someone and open a door? And he's very nice. So
1: Hey, if he wants to open a door and go show property and uh, meet our standards, then I'm happy to have him. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, thank you for being here, Josh. You are a wealth of knowledge and just like a gem to be around. Well, thank I mean, you. Really.
1: And please, please, please keep this up because I think this is amazing. And I love listening and getting to know our colleagues. I think it's something that's definitely missing in our industry. So, you know, you've worked with these people for so many years, but you, we don't
0: know anything. I've learned things about these realtors that I had no idea about. Absolutely. But okay, wait, wait, people need to watch your videos. They are hilarious.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: And we need—I need to like—we need to plug this like really quick. Tell people where they can watch them because they're so good.
1: Okay, coming soon. We're gonna have a YouTube page, but our new vlog, vlog, is—it's not a blog. It's a blog. It's a video blog. um, Mm -hmm. Keeping it entrepreneurial. Right now you can find it on my Instagram page or you can find it on our Facebook personal Facebook pages but we're creating a YouTube page and that's where Dana and I literally people all the time say what do you do what does she do like what's going on and we we needed something that could be fun and that people could hey actually see who we really are every it's day It's
0: entertaining it is it's so fun and you know sometimes you like learn stuff on it too so well you know people
1: at the beginning were like you guys need to like share some stories and like kind of teach and coach on there and we we started a little like bit no of that. we
0: just want to like ride in the car together and like sing Dolly Parton and just like and, and now people are thing. like
1: when they come and comment and send us messages it's literally over the silly stuff <laughs> so I'm like we just need to be us and people are like that can't be real life and I'm like if only you were there 24 7 you would see this is kind of
0: we're toning it down for you. <laughs> so
1: we've got um, in a couple of weeks we're going to family reunion in Dallas. That's a Texas. big thing, so isn't it? He's coming on, and our videographer. So he's going to follow he? us along. Tyler. Oh, he, we call him TT. So I heard uh, you
0: say TT on the. You were, <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that's our videographer, our friend. So he's in Indianapolis. So. He is coming along with us on that journey, and that's going to be on the next episode, so you'll have to stay tuned for that. So, yeah.
0: And Dana has a podcast um Everything herself. Life
1: and Real Estate, yes, with Linda Is McKissick. it a weekly
0: podcast? It is
1: every Tuesday, yes, packed full of tons of knowledge. So if you haven't listened, you definitely have to go subscribe to that as well. Dana, if awesome. you're
0: listening, come on the Woke Agent. I want to talk to you. You're doing big things.
1: She so. will be happy to come on. So let's say it here. She is coming on one of your episodes. (laughs) Do you know
0: who else is coming on soon? Bob Sophia.
1: Okay, bring it on. Bring it Boom. on to big dogs. I
0: really am. <laughs> um, so that is all the time that I have. I went over because I can. It's my show and I can do whatever I want. So <laughs> Boss
1: babe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening. You can find me at thewokeagent.com. You can listen on Spotify and iTunes. And please follow me on Facebook at The Woke Agent. Um, this has been me, Tiffany Jarvis, and Josh Shepler. Thank you. Thank you.